Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, interviewing thinkers, and having real honest conversations about what it looks like to lead the next generation. I'm CJ, and today I have the pleasure of sitting here with Ashley Bohens. Hey! Charlie Condor. Hey, friends. And Loa Davis. Hey, what's up? And Loa, we are so excited to have you on your first episode of Rethinking Youth uh, Ministry. I know, it's my first one. Be nice, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and so Loa works with us here at Orange. If you are new to the podcast, uh, most of the people, uh, all the people sitting around the table today here work at Orange uh, on our curriculum and strategy here. And Aloha is on the 252 Kids and Pre-Team Curriculum Team uh, as the small group curriculum director. Yep. But... Not just that, Aloha and her husband actually run a nonprofit and uh, serve overseas in Cambodia. They do multiple trips a year. They lead trips every single year. They've been doing that for how many years now? Uh, nine years now. Nine years. So we are excited to have some of that experience cool. uh, around the table today as well. And today on Rethinking Youth Ministry, we're going to be discussing how to make the most of your student mission trips because, you know, it's March. And mission trip season is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you maybe your ministry does spring break mission trips. Maybe they do summer mission trips. But wherever uh, you find yourself, whenever your ministry does mission trips, it's approaching quickly. Mm-hmm. And we thought, hey, let's pause and let's talk about how to make the most of your student mission trips because. Not all student mission trips are created equal, and some go better than others, right? We've all been there. We've all, um, if you've gone on any mission trips, you know, myself included, you can look back on them and say, that was a great mission trip, or that was an That's interesting why we trip. started leading I mission do trips. I different next Yes, time. exactly. <laughs> we, we took an A trip and uh, that shall remain nameless, and it was, um, it was tense, and the team was awkward and... Yeah, it just didn't. It just didn't work. And so Mike and I, my husband and I, looked at each other and we were like, "We should do this again." But like, let's do this together and <laughs> do it. Do it right. I guess that sounds arrogant, but yeah, <laughs> that was our thought. Yeah. Well, and Charlie, you were uh, you led a middle school ministry, or you've been in you know student ministry yeah. for twelve years, so you've got a lot of mission trips. A lot of mission trips to a lot of locations, <laughs> a lot of different projects. Um, and I never lost a kid or a finger. So I feel like that's very successful. Your own finger right. or a kid's finger? Either. Right? Okay, so good. we all have digits now. Um, <laughs> but I think that's important when you're in student ministry leading trips for so long. And while we're talking about it, Ashley, anybody that follows you on social media knows <laughs> that you're passionate about missions as well. So I'm excited to have some of that perspective. I'm going to take that as a compliment, CJ. Yes. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this podcast, so I'm very excited Ashley, to be seated here. you post a lot on social media, <laughs> and I would say about 60% of it is about Ethiopia, which is great, which is great. There are a lot of other things that you could be posting about. It just know. means a lot that you even know that, CJ. <laughs> <laughs> that you've done the research. I know. I, Clearly, I'm making great posts. <laughs> right. So great. But but jump to jump. Go ahead and jump into things. When we pose the question, how to make the most of your student mission trips, we kind of assume that we're not making the most of mission trips and student mission trips in some ways. So let me just go ahead and throw it out there. In what ways uh, are we not making the most of our student mission trips right now? You know, I think when it comes to mission trips, um, a lot of times we as youth pastors, I mean, it, we are bombarded with a lot of details and logistics yeah. that we have to manage on a weekly basis. And 
for anyone listening that's ever led a mission trip knows how many logistics emails, how many conversations have to happen in order to pull off a youth ministry mission trip. And so I think sometimes mission trips get put on like the back burner of like, Mm -hmm. Oh dear, it's mission trip season again. Who wants to own that? And (laughs) it, it, it kind of, I think, um, because of the amount of work that is required to make it happen well. Um, I think that sometimes we don't put all of our effort behind it or manpower behind it because we simply can't manage it in such a short amount of time. And so I think I I would say that everyone would agree. If you think any of any teenager who's been baptized, I would say majority more than majority would mention a camp or a mission trip mm. in their testimony if they had a chance to share their testimony. And I think um, if we think strategically about the time we have, we have more time in a week-long mission trip with students than you do all three or four years combined of middle school or high school. Yeah. And you have that chance to influence them. It's like a concentrated dose of not just helping them learn about God's story, but be part of God's story. Yeah. And I think that that is so huge. And I think as if we as youth pastors could figure out a way to spread out the amount of work that goes into a mission trip mm-hmm. so that we can maximize the potential and maximize the momentum coming out of it, mm-hmm. I really think that we could um, we could see a big difference in our youth ministries. Yeah. So are you saying we're not making the most of mission student mission trips because we're not putting the resources we should or could behind it? Like it's not getting enough attention? Yeah, I think so. And I think sometimes we think of mission trips like, well, only 15 of my 100 kids are going. Mm-hmm. And so why should I give it that much attention? But if we can actually plan further in advance, there's ways you can get all 100 students involved when only 15 of them are traveling. Yeah, and I want to get to some of that. Well, but, but I think about the 15 that go on the mission trip mm-hmm. and the relationships I have with them. That relationship that I built with them over that week of missions is so incredible. I mean, I'm still really close to students who are in their 20s mm-hmm. who went on a mission trip with me when they were in middle school just mm-hmm. because of that time I got to invest mm-hmm. in them during that week. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's like 15 kids, but you get a lot of bang for your buck out of those mm-hmm. 15 kids. Well, and those 15 kids have a lot of influence over the other 85 kids. Yes, very true. Now, Aloha, you lead a lot of a lot of trips. As you know, more of an expert in leading trips, you know, for nine years now. What do you notice when you kind of see the way that other people are running trips, and especially student trips? Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you see them kind of coming up short? Where where are they lacking when it comes I think, to um, their trips? I think trips? one of the the biggest hangups is that it's it's hard to vision cast to students and parents. When you think about taking a student trip, you need both the students and the parents to be on board. Especially in middle school, you need basically a one on one or a one to one ratio. You need a parent for every student that goes, which is hard to do. Then on top of that, you're like, okay, you're going to give this week or whatever, this 10, 10 days of your life with your student on this trip in this foreign country. But also, hey, by the way, we've got to raise two or $3,000 for yeah. every person mm-hmm, who goes. Mm-hmm. And so I think that parents and students and even ministry leaders see those huge barriers and that's all they see, as opposed to the value and um, the the results that you that you get um, when you're taking a student on a trip who's going to build empathy and build relationships, and you're going to build relationships with them. Wow, that's great. I think short-term missions can be a really great experience for your student ministry if that serves a local church there. Mm-hmm. I feel like as youth pastors, we go on a trip and we have a bad experience. 
It's not enough resource. There's not enough to do there. So then the next year we're planning a mission trip, but we're going to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And then we may plan to go another place the next summer. And I feel like as youth pastors, we're really looking for an experience for our students that's done well, and that doesn't always happen. Mm -hmm. And so therefore we begin to hop and we're not, I don't really feel like that we make a huge impact because we're just kind of in and then the community out. you're in if right. you're just hopping in for 10 days or five, seven and days and then leaving. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, short-term missions, short, short, <laughs> short-term missions can be really impactful if you have a group there that's serving already and mm-hmm. you come in and you assist them and you come alongside them. Yeah. When it becomes ineffective is when you just drop in for a week and you leave and then nothing's there for the rest of the year. So I want to get to more of that here, some of the almost the dangers of doing it wrong. <laughs> but before I get there, I wanted to ask one more time here. So I'm hearing not enough resources and time is uh, one of the ways we're not making the most of trips. Maybe there's not enough partnering with parents, like what Eloa was saying a few minutes ago, as far as, you know, it just takes so much to get students and parents, mm-hmm. you know, on the same page to go on mission trips. So maybe we're falling behind there. Mm-hmm. And then what Charlie's saying here is maybe we're location hopping or we're like, we're, ah, I didn't have a great experience. So I'm going to go somewhere else. Or, you know, uh, we're not partnering with the right people or the right locations and that kind of a thing. And those things combined, when we, when that's our rhythm year in and year mm-hmm. out, lack of participation mm-hmm. or lack of planning or location hopping or, it's exhausting. Know, it's, it and it's exhausting. And they're and, legit tensions. <laughs> like and, all of them are legit. And it's just, it leads to a, almost a half-hearted or a, mm-hmm. you know, less effective mission trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are the issues and dangers for, for students uh, or, and the people we're serving if this is our rhythm year in and year out? What, why is this bad news for students? Well, we could start with them. I think for students in particular, you know, if you take even just even middle school to high school, so that's like seventh through twelfth ish, um, that is a very short time period in life. If, yeah. if you're if you're thinking about the overall, you know, arch of somebody's life, but it's a very critical time period. There's so many, like Ashley said, there's so many stories of baptism after a mission trip because their life has changed. They've interacted with God on a, on a completely different level in a completely different place. And they've been challenged. Um, not to mention just where they are in their phase. They're developing all these, um, they're developing empathy, especially. And one of the greatest ways for them to do that is to get them outside of their comfort zone and put them face to face with, um, kids, especially kids, their age, um, who don't have the resources that, that, that they have. I know for me personally, that was, the, a life-changing moment when I was 17 and went on my first mission trip and um, started friendships with mm-hmm. kids who were just a little bit younger than I did than I was, um, but didn't have the same resources that I had, um, especially as a pastor's kid. They didn't have um, the connection with Christ and, um, and their Heavenly Father that I felt like I was given. And so I feel like it's a critical moment in these kids' lives to get them somewhere, to get yeah. them on a mission trip, to, to you know just grab their hearts. And I think through that... Um, it's sometimes the first time that teenagers realize there's something that's not beautiful about them. Yeah. And it's like they start to experience and recognize their own culture and their own poverty mm-hmm. and just look so... It's easy to walk into another culture and name their poverty, but when you start to experience your mm-hmm. own, like, oh, I'm ungrateful mm-hmm. or, oh, wow, I'm relationally poor. I, I don't... You know, yeah. like, whatever it is, like, when you start to experience that, it totally changes. It, and it's not the trip that changes you. It's the experience with God on the trip that mm-hmm. changes you. Yeah. yeah. 
And when our mission trips are running at a, a five or a six out of 10, then fewer and fewer students are getting some of those, yeah, we're losing those opportunities. experiences. I think uh, another thing that's at stake for our students is when you return from the mission trip, because mm-hmm. there's all this like build up to going on the trip and then you go on the trip and then you're exhausted coming home. Yeah. And that's the most important part. Yeah. And as youth leaders, it's really hard to continue running a ministry while also having to coach students mm-hmm. as to how does this actually apply to my life? Because I mean, and what do I, I do with all these feelings exactly. for these kids that I've just met or these people that I've just come into contact with? Right. And sometimes what's at stake is we lose the momentum and the potential impact that the rest of the church, the families, I mean, I've had families come on mission trips because their kid was so motivated mm. from the trip that they were on. Mm. And I think we have potential to lose it. I, I believe with everything in me that spending 1% of your time outside of your own context has the potential to change the 99% of time you spend in your own context. But that takes a lot of coaching for a teenager. When our mission trips are, are a five or a six out of 10, mm. then we're losing all of those opportunities for students and parents mm. and those ripple effects to actually happen in our ministries and in our churches. I'm just sitting on the other side of that as a youth pastor for so many years who took students on a mission trip. I come back, I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. And a week later, I'm headed to high school camp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and when I think about the conversations I should have had, the conversations with the congregation, the mm-hmm. conversations with families, all the I should have had conversations and the follow-up, I feel like I've really dropped the ball because I just didn't have the capacity to yeah. do more. And that's a real tension. Yeah, and you yeah. are not alone. I mean, not alone in that at all. Can we put put in a plug for small group leaders to mm-hmm. get your small group leaders involved to go on these trips? Because then you have a small group leader who's yeah. maybe been on a trip with like two or three of their students and some of their parent chaperones. But then that small group leader, you can put the onus on them right. um, to do the follow up and to do the the relational um, follow through with the students to, to make sure the students experience doesn't just fall flat and it doesn't become just another thing that they did. Yeah, no, that, that's true. It is, you know, the, the ministry leader or the youth leader doesn't have to be responsible for every nuance or, you know, or every part of that mission trip. Um, but I think in a lot of ministries, that is the way it goes, right. that it really, the small group leaders, um, do kind of take a backseat on a lot of those mission trips, you know, for, for whatever reason, whether... Well, they only have so much time to volunteer. That's right. <laughs> no. it's true. But, it, I mean, it's a, it's a tension that, I mean, has needs to be wrestled through. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, am I going to ask my small group leaders to, you know, invest their time in this way too so that we do follow up with students well because we are going to, you know, summer camp or high school camp in a week or, you know, who, mm-hmm. who's going to own that piece? And that's just something that you have to process through. Now, so that's kind of what's at stake with our students. Um, but if our mission trips are still lackluster or a five out of 10, how is that also dangerous for the people we're serving? So I'm just trying to set up like, why should we even care if our mission trips are a five out of 10? So what is it? What is the danger for the people we're serving? I think the people that we serve, if we are just a drop in ministry, they don't get to develop relationships. They just see us as these group of people that come in and like hang out for a few days. But when we leave, they're still left with nothing. I, it's so important to me as a student pastor to work with organizations that still have people on the ground that can, t- can carry on with a long-term relationship. I have served with organizations that we were just there for a summer and it was college age kids working for the organization. 
And we're just in there and it's like a six week mission mm-hmm. and there's nothing after that. Mm. So what is the lady whose house we fixed, we loved on, mm-hmm. but then we leave her. Mm-hmm. What happens to her after the six weeks of summer? Mm-hmm. And I think that's partly a reflection of what a- the tension Ashley brought up in, is that we're not putting enough resources and time into this on the front end to, mm-hmm. to put a plan in place longer than the 10 days were there or something like that. Like that is a reflection of what a partner with an organization that already exists yeah. and right. you can just go and get plugged in with them. Yeah. Well, prepping our team so they are effective so that when they do come, we are ready to serve and we're not coming in to be like saviors or tourists yeah. or yeah. whatever that Santa word Claus. is. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of what happens to us, right? Mm-hmm. We jump in, we serve for a week, we leave. And then what are they left with? Right. And I think in our efforts to help, sometimes we hurt. Mm. I mean, even simply, one of the activities I always do with every mission team I lead, in the beginning, when we start meeting, I talk about the word poverty. And I have everybody define the word poverty. And nobody can look at each other's papers. (laughs) And then uh, there was a study done, and this is from the book When Helping Hurts, um, where they talked to thousands of people in um, poverty-stricken countries and and, um, developing countries, and they asked them to define poverty. And so we took a look at what their definition of poverty was versus our Western definition of poverty. And we talked about, like, do they align or where, do, where does it miss? And the, the reason that's so important is because that has a drastic effect on how we can help and implications for poverty alleviation. And for the ministries that are on the ground, like, if we think we see their problem, but that's not actually their problem, mm-hmm. we're actually going to hurt the ministries that are there 365 days out of the year. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, wow. I went on a mission trip once. I won't say where. And when I got there, I was so ill-equipped. I didn't know how to do the construction work that they wanted me to do. (laughs) There was an entire village of men who pretty much moved me to the side, and they wanted to serve, and they wanted to take over the construction project. And it made me wonder, what if I would have just sent the money, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And the men in that village could have completed the project without me. I have no idea how to make clay terracotta things out of, (laughs) right? Like it's not my skill set. You don't know? I don't know those things. (laughs) And it made me feel like, why was I there? And was I causing more hurt than I was doing good? I think that's a low. What were you going to say? Uh, I was just going to say, I, I, that's one of the reasons I love the way um, my church personally does um, mission trips, which is to, they find an organization um, in, you know, any given country um, that's already doing work that's um, on par or on, on the, on track with our own, our church's own mission and vision. Yeah. And then they come alongside that, um, that organization and send, you know, and, and ask them, what, what needs do you have that we can meet with a short-term trip, be it adults or, or students? Um, and so one of the things that was so great with our organization in Cambodia is that we were able to develop a, a community of people here that um, went regularly and, and still go regularly. And some of those are actually high school students that are now college students and young adults um, who have developed these relationships with these same kids over these kids childhood. And so, um, the, the kids have actually said, you know, I know that I don't necessarily have parents and, and, um, families that are able to, to take care of me, but you guys come every year, every year there's a group and it's not always the same people, but I know that 
I have a community of, um, of people who care about me and, and love me because you guys come every year. Mm. And so, you know, if we had just gone once, it would have been fun and the kids would have had a great time and everyone, you know, would have been, it would have been great. Um, and they still would have gotten a lot out of it, but because we've been able to go these past nine, 10 years, these kids have, have been able to grow up knowing that they have, mm-hmm. um, a community of people who love them. And I think it's important not just to identify what doesn't work on a mission trip, mm-hmm. but why does it work? And I think, Aloha, you just gave us a really, really good example of the three things that I always look for in a partner. And um, that would be like short-term trips with a long-term mindset. And mm-hmm. you're living that right now with what you're doing in Cambodia. Exactly. And I think that that is a mistake we make. But the reason that trips work well is there's a difference between having a trip mindset and a partner mindset Mm -hmm. and a trip mindset's all about that one week that you go and a partner mindset is all year long we're in contact we can pray for each other and Mm -hmm. it's an equal sharing we're Mm -hmm. learning from them they're learning from us and lastly self-sustainability is so important like Mm -hmm. i never want to be in a situation where i'm going and serving somewhere else and then all of a sudden my resources are cut or something happens we can no longer go and they can't sustain Mm -hmm. what we've been helping them with Mm -hmm. and i think that that's so important that we we transition short-term trips to a long-term mindset, trip mindset versus a partnership mindset, and making sure that it's sustainable for the people we're serving. I almost think that's a filter that mm. you know yes. student pastors and youth yes. leaders can start can evaluate one their mm-hmm. current program, yeah, um, and two make it a criteria for okay, how do I start to make this better. And so that's kind of where I want to steer a conversation next is for that student pastor who maybe, maybe they're not super passionate about missions, or maybe, um, maybe they are just now it's March. They're starting to think about their summer mission trips. They're posting in the youth pastor Facebook groups. Hey, where, what's everybody doing this year? (laughs) What, what, what steps would you suggest for them to take now? Because all these things are great. Short-term mission trip uh, versus long-term mindset, you know, short-term or a trip mindset versus a partner mindset. But for that student pastor who's sitting at their uh, computer right now, it's like, okay, that's great. I've got students to lead in a few months here. Now what? So if it's March and it is March and (laughs) this is the first time you're really thinking about it, I think in order to make um, an impact and to get the most bang for your buck, I think the best thing to do would be to be to find a local organization within, you know, 30 to 50 miles of your church and partner with them for the summer, ask them what they need. Um, Tell them you've got, you know, 15, 20, however many students and, you want them to be able to, to have a great experience this summer and to, to feel like they were able to serve and to leverage their time wisely. Now, though, a for, partner that just needs the short term. Yes, a partner that, that just needs the short term help. The, exactly. Long term vision. Yeah. Thing. Then I think now that you're thinking about it in March, you could make 2019 an epic year if you're starting to think about it now, because now you have well over a year to think about where you're going, um, to, to research different partnership organizations, to talk to other youth pastors in your area and see where they're going and, um, and maybe even team up with them. So now you have an epically long time to prep and you can make 2019 phenomenal. Yeah. I think, um, a lot of times youth pastors want their, service trip or their mission trip to be like different than the rest of the church because (laughs) they want it to be that experience. But I would push back on that. And I would actually say that that's not necessarily the, in my humble opinion, the Mm -hmm. wisest choice. And I say that because 
it would be really helpful to align with what your church as a whole is partnering with. Mm. So if your church's whole heartbeat is orphan care, well, I would, I think that the best way to set your kids up in, in your ministry to keep serving when it comes to orphan care is to align with what your church is aligned with, to partner who your church is already partnered with. So when they leave your ministry, they have a way to stay connected mm. to the people that they've built a relationship with and the place that's really had a huge impact on their life. And so I, I would first say, I mean, I love what you said, Aloha, about finding something local. I would imagine a lot of churches that are listening have local partners, mm-hmm. and you can do something like that, but I wouldn't necessarily find something new if your church already has something. Yeah. I'd align mm-hmm. and figure out a strategy from babies through adults. <laughs> what does our mission strategy look like at the church, and how does it build on each other like building blocks rather than work against each mm-hmm. other and pull in opposite directions? Yeah. And I think also in, I have two more things. Can we amen that? What? Can Can I amen that as a student pastor? Sure. That was fantastic. Thanks. The strategy behind the mission trips and partnering with your church and churches serve in their communities all the time. Mm -hmm. Food pantries, local um, shelters. How great would it be if you just aligned what was already happening? Mm -hmm. Also, that means you don't have to start from scratch. Yeah. Well, when we talked about the resources at the very beginning, you're dialing back some of that need because Mm -hmm. your church already has a strategy to work with these local organizations. Mm -hmm. I think also take some time to figure out how can you get more kids involved Mm -hmm. in a mission trip than the ones who are actually going or Mm -hmm. traveling Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And, And that can be fun each kid forms a fundraising team and they help the kid fundraise for the trip mm-hmm. or you do a student-wide 5k and you <laughs> tell the community about what you're doing and where you're going or you bring a missionary in from that ministry to teach mm-hmm. the kids about the need and why you're going in the first place um, or you have you know kids in the ministry their family host the team meetings so they feel like they're part of the team even though they're not going there's a lot okay. of creative things you mm-hmm. can do and I, I would I'm going to interrupt you because I'm say as a small group leader, I would echo that as well, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of times um, almost build it, some of it into the programming a little bit to help draw the mm-hmm. students in, because I feel like a lot of times as a small group leader, we have our Sunday morning programming mm-hmm. and then off to the far left side or far right side of the stage here, we have mission trips. And so it's almost <laughs> like it's something on the on the outskirts of what we do Mm -hmm. rather than like, no, this is part of what we do and whether or not you go or you stay, we're all involved. Yeah. Um, rather than just a sign-up sheets in the back for the 15 that are going this year. You know what I mean? I love that. And youth pastors listening, you can train your communicators and your small group leaders to not just talk about missions on Mission Sunday, (laughs) but talk about stories of serving Mm -hmm. and what people are doing in the world. Like, Often mm-hmm. in a conversation, cue them when it's a great com- like a great time to bring up a story about that, mm-hmm. so that it does become part of the DNA, like you said, CJ. I think yeah. that's great. Yeah, I-, I was thinking about involving other people into the mission trip. One of the greatest things is having the prayer partners. Mm-hmm. And every time I've been on a mission trip, Miss Linda has written me a <laughs> prayer card, and I've kept them. Good old Miss Linda. Miss Linda, shout out! <laughs> but it's so important because she didn't want to participate. I didn't want to go overseas, mm. but she felt like she wanted to be part of our team. And so she prayed for every person that went and wrote everyone a prayer card. And that was her giving to the mission trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes when you're away from home, that support that you get mm-hmm. at night is really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. I agree. So our goal here in this conversation 
uh, was not to put more on the <laughs> the student pastor or the youth leader, right? You know, but you, you know, I hear you talking, Charlie, about you know getting the kids involved, writing cards or whatever. The partners are already in the church. The mission. Yeah, you don't lever- have to start leverage, something from scratch. Leverage the people who are staying. Mm-hmm. That's you good. know because there's people yeah. who go and there's people who stay, and you can. Yeah work harder, work smarter, not harder, by leveraging the people who are staying. Mm -hmm. And one more thing, as a student pastor, one of the best mission trips I ever did, I never left our parking lot. Mm. We invited people in. We had a box city where kids slept outside overnight and understood what it was like to be homeless. We packaged hygiene kits and meals that we distributed the next day. None of these things have to leave your zip code, right? Mm -hmm. Missions doesn't have to happen far away. It can happen close to home. And that's a great idea if you're just not thinking about missions in March. <laughs> you can totally pull that off in July. Right? <laughs> that's great. That's great. And our goal here was not to just put more on the ministry leader's plate. Mm-hmm. I mean, the truth is most student ministries are already doing mission trips. Mm-hmm. And our goal here is to encourage you and give you ideas to to work smarter and not just harder on your trips. Um, because a lot of these things what we're talking about, whether it's partnering with you know, a ministry that's already local on the ground somewhere or partnering with a part of your church that's already doing something, these are ways to relieve some of the stress mm-hmm. and not, you know, oh, oh boy, it's February, March. Mm-hmm. I just don't have anything on the calendar for this year. Mm-hmm. It's to get rid of some of those moments. And to that end, Ashley, I hear you have, you know, you know, if, if I'm a youth pastor, student mm-hmm. pastor, you know, it'd be really nice, <laughs> Ashley. What, what's that, CJ? Like, like a, I don't know. I just need like a 12 month timeline or something or some sort of plan uh, that I could follow. Thanks for setting that up for me. And as long as it's editable, that would be fantastic. And I hear you have, I hear you've written something because you are very passionate about this. I am? For... For people, for youth pastors, for people like me, or for for people like people Charlie, people like me who need the extra. <laughs> Tell us about this. It, I just put together. It's not the end all be all, but it is an attempt to lay out a project timeline for you know instead of having this condensed three months of panic <laughs> and stress of mm. so many logistics and details, it's a twelve month project timeline. What should you be thinking about in this month? leading up or 10 months out from the trip and and it's editable so you can kind of shift it around depending on when the actual trip is and it cues you to leverage the post trip it cues Mm. you of who you should talk to and what stories to collect and when do you collect them and how do you promote it and and there's just some ideas I've learned along the way. And Charlie, how much would you pay for this kind of resource? Hey, it's a 12-month project mission trip timeline. Y'all, this is the greatest resource ever. My eyes are this big around because... Oh, you can't see them. <laughs> My eyes are as big as silver dollars because I'm freaking out right now because this resource is going to change what we do. It's three easy payments. Of- what? Guys, it's free. No way. What? It is free, and we will have a link to that to download this free resource in our show notes. And it's not just a project timeline that helps you with all the logistics leading up to a trip, but it's through the trip and then after the trip, it cues you on when you should be thinking about surveying, not just not just your team, but the parents of the yeah. team members mm-hmm. and the people on the ground. It, it's very practical things that will help you leverage the momentum that's built from a mission trip into the next mission trip season. It'll help you 
make the most of your student mission trips. (laughs) See what we did there. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me uh, for this conversation. And thank you for listening to the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening to your podcasts. And finally, for more great resources to check out the show notes for this episode and to download the 12-month mission trip project timeline, visit our website, rethinkingym.org. That's also where you can learn about the curriculum and strategy that we're all a part of here at Orange. Until next time, I'm CJ. I'm Ashley. I'm Charlie. And I'm Eloa. And thank you for listening.